Did you know that 90% of businesses that get to $1 million in sales never get to $10 million in sales? And that 96% of companies that reach $10 million in sales never get to $100 million in sales. So today we're going to talk about the five mistakes that businesses, especially business owners, make that destroy growth and can keep you from getting to the next milestone of growth. This is the Matt Clark Show, and I am Matt Clark. I've sold over $300 million online in my businesses. I've helped build and scale e-commerce companies with over $10 billion in sales. And in this daily show, I discuss what's worked for me in the past, what hasn't worked for me, uh, what I'm working on right now to grow my three businesses, and how I'm developing as a leader, entrepreneur, and person. Occasionally, I'm also going to bring on guests I want to learn more about that I think can help me and you grow. Thank you for listening. So back in 2012, we launched an e-commerce education program called Amazing Selling Machine. I really had no idea what to expect. I was just doing my thing in e-commerce, selling on my own website, selling on Amazon, doing SEO, running Google AdWords, doing email marketing, all kinds of stuff, and ended up partnering up with a guy who thought that his audience would love to learn how I was doing what I was doing in e-commerce on Amazon. So I worked hard over a month or so and created basically a full-blown training course to teach people all this stuff. And we ended up out of the gate doing a million dollars in sales in the first week. Then for the rest of the year, I did about 50 to 100 webinars for different affiliates and did it basically another million dollars in sales. The next year, we revamped the program, made it way better, refocused it, added stuff. That very next big launch, we did $6.1 million in sales. Six months later, we did it again, did $7.5 million in sales. The next year in 2014, we did over $20 million in sales. The next year in 2015, we did over $30 million in sales. As you can imagine, seeing nothing but success after success after success, growing like this, I thought I was God's gift to business at the time, even though I was in basically my early mid-20s or so. Uh, And I decided that $30 million a year in sales was not good enough. I wanted to build a billion-dollar company, like all the big entrepreneurs that I admired. And so I ended up changing the whole business because I was like, ah, we can't keep selling this like, you know, three to $5,000 program. There's not that many people who are going to want to buy this. And so uh, I saw some education businesses that were selling low ticket, either memberships. There's a company called Linda that went public that I believe their membership, I don't remember how much it was, maybe a hundred bucks a year or 99 bucks a month or something. But anyway, it's pretty low expensive. And I was like, okay, that's the model that we need to follow. So changed the whole model overnight, completely got rid of everything that had built us to the point we were, changed the course, changed the products, uh, had to remove a bunch of stuff, and I thought we'd make it up in volume. But we never made up the number of members, even though we got to you know 5,000 plus members, I guess, maybe 6,000 at the peak, but never at 39 bucks a month. It wasn't even close to how much we were doing in revenue. So revenue the next year in 2016 dropped to $9 million. From over 30 to $9 million, we were burning half a million dollars a month in cash because we had an office with over 60, mostly six-figure employees in downtown Austin, an office that was costing us 40 dollars a month. And so because of all that, had to end up firing half the company and ended up letting our competitors take over the space from the software standpoint, from the training standpoint, literally at affiliates, even our number one affiliate who asked permission if they could create a competing course. And I was like, yeah, sure, we're not doing that anymore. We're going after this bigger thing. Didn't work. Uh, The market changed at the same time. I mean, not everyone was just gonna sit around and let us just take over this space. So other people started creating more courses, more training, more masterminds, all that sort of stuff. And the opportunity was also passing itself. So we got more competition, 
And Amazon just became more competitive when we start getting into like 2016, 17, 18. And so we really messed up. We missed this huge opportunity and didn't take full advantage of it. So after basically a year of real depression, um, feeling my whole ego was uh, on the line and I just uh, was in a bad spot, I thought after some reflection, I was like, what the heck went wrong? Uh, what? How did I make this massive mistake? And so I really became obsessed with making better decisions. I read every book I could possibly imagine. I even started going through, Wikipedia has a page on the list of cognitive biases and there's like over a hundred of these. And these are literally all the common thinking errors that lead people to make dumb decisions. I started going through that line by line, every single one. I was going through hundred plus cognitive biases to figure out how I made these mistakes. Uh, that was how obsessed I was with this. Started studying people who I thought were better at making decisions such as Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and that sort of thing. So with all that experience, I started realizing that the solution to this is to think and not just act. Um, you want to move fast because I think that's a big mistake and we'll talk about that in a second, but also watch the downside. If you study some of the greatest entrepreneurs such as Richard Branson, he's known, he seems like he's just taking these massive risks, but he's almost always watching the downside. Like, yeah, I'm going to make this big bet, but I'm not going to let it ruin me if it doesn't work because there's a good chance it's not going to work. And so he's watching the downside while making these big bets. So now I want to talk about the five mistakes that are going to hold you back from getting to the next level of growth. Mistake number one, not moving fast enough. And so everything that I just told you, we were almost moving too fast. But mistake number one is not moving fast enough. I find this to be the case for most entrepreneurs, especially if you're an entrepreneur that say sub $10 million in sales. You may have gotten there because you did some good work, you sold some good products, but you could have also been lucky. You got a product that took off and you kind of just rode it. But then if you're not hungry, if you're not moving fast enough to test out new marketing channels, test out new products, eventually your thing is going to become obsolete. You probably don't have enough protections in place to keep a competitor from seeing your success, jumping in there and creating a better product or doing better marketing. Then what are you going to do? Because you haven't been moving fast enough, you're likely going to start losing ground to that person. So mistake number one is not moving fast enough. Mistake number two, like I just mentioned, not watching the downside. Place big bets, make moves on marketing and product with people, but always think, you know, if this doesn't work out, be optimistic, but think if this doesn't work out, what's the worst that could happen? And make sure you can stomach that downside because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, and I think we almost have to be uh, optimists, but the problem is, is being optimists can sometimes skew our vision of reality. We may think that like, oh, I'm going to do this and I think there's a 90% chance of success. When in reality, there's probably closer to a 50% chance of success or 60% chance of success. So always think if we do this and if it fails, even if we think we're not going to, can we handle if this thing completely flops? Can we live to fight another day, to add another product, to do another marketing campaign, to hire another person? Uh, don't ever put your business completely on the line because that's how you end up completely killing everything. You're only going to be lucky so many times. Uh, so make sure that you can stack the odds in your favor by being able to place 10, 20, 30 bets, knowing that say even 70% are probably gonna fail. Watch the downside and that's the way you can do that. Mistake number three, you sell products that are unlikely to ever amount to anything. There was a book called Good to Great. Uh, I haven't read it in a while, but one of the big lessons that I took from there was that a lot of times businesses don't 
uh, make investments in proportion to their size. So if you're growing from zero and you get a product up to a million dollars a year in sales, fantastic. But once you're at a million dollars or say five million or $10 million in sales, another product that adds another million dollars is not gonna move the needle that much. Could also be the same thing for a marketing channel. Uh, so instead, you wanna start thinking about placing bets in proportion to the size of your business. And so it's far easier to sell one product that does $10 million a year in sales than 50 products that each sell $200,000 a year, even though financially it adds up to the same thing, at least from a revenue standpoint. Way more to manage, way more complexity, way more product listing pages, uh, sales copy, emails, all that kind of stuff that's required to sell way more products. And so as your business grows, think about selling products that have far more room to scale. And if you're selling, you know, you're in a different kind of business, a lot of our audience is e-commerce people, but if you're in a different kind of businesses, uh, services, software, at some point it makes sense. Like if you're starting from zero, building a niche, you know, million dollar a year software business is fantastic. But if you've already done that and you want to go bigger, you probably have to broaden the market so that you can actually have a product or service or software that supports a bigger opportunity. So I see this with a lot of people is that they're still going after these tiny opportunities, even though they have a business that does $4 million a year in sales. And they're looking for little $200,000 a year opportunities, which at that point is probably a waste of time. Uh, so, and you know, Warren Buffett has this quote that he says, if he was managing, you know, say a million or $2 million a year, he could have a 50% return every year. But at their scale, even if they can make $500,000 a year on a million dollars, that's a complete waste of their time. They have to focus on um, things that actually move the needle. Mistake number four, thinking too short term about your team. Uh, I was very guilty of this. And, um, you know, I just heard a quote from a book that I was, I was literally just uh, listening to, he says, is Joe Polish in a book called What's In It For Them. He says, the best relationships are formed from the perspective of long-term investment rather than short-term spending. A lot of times, whenever, especially with employees, we hire them because we need a job done. And then we're kind of, you know, just kind of pushing, you know, giving them stuff to do and moving on. But what I find is a lot of times, you know, when you hire somebody, the act of hiring itself, but especially training and development, is that at first it feels like, oh man, this is like slowing me down. And it probably is. But the benefit is, is that if you make enough of those investments, such as developing, training, encouraging, praising, that sort of thing, that before too long, it's the biggest asset you have because now they're doing all the stuff that you used to have to do on your own. So I find a lot of people, they kind of underinvest in that area and they wonder why they've got a bunch of people that are just kind of doers around them, not really thinkers, because uh, they haven't spent that time developing them. So they're still having to do all the heavy lifting themselves, even though they've had some people on their team for say six months, a year, two years, three years. And so that's mistake number four is thinking too short term about your team. Last but not least, mistake number five, not getting advisors around. And so this, I think, would have solved a lot of the problems that I experienced. Um, I could have, should have had sort of unbiased grown-ups around. So I ended up trying to hire a full executive team, but their motivations are very different. They, you know, like a lot of people that are in that kind of position, they just want to make as much money from your company as possible, uh, do the least amount of work possible, even though they may be trying to do a good job, work hard, that sort of thing, but that's just the financial incentives. Um, so you can't really blame them too much. And so they're so biased because they're inside the company. They can't really tell you what they think. They can't give you unbiased information. So getting advisors around sooner rather than later is incredibly important. Uh, we just interviewed a, or I just interviewed a friend who sold the majority of his business recently at a $200 million valuation. And 
he got advisors in early because he had already built a few businesses to a few million dollars and sold them, but he wanted to go way bigger. And so he knew there was things that he didn't know. So he actually got advisors on board with tiny pieces of equity in his business. Um, and their only goal was to make the business more successful because that's the only way that it would ever work out for them financially. And that I think made a huge difference for him. Like it helps to have grownups around who've been there, done that. So you're not just winging everything on your own. And so how do you actually put these things in place? I believe there's two practices that I think can help. Uh, first, keeping a tight grip on your financials, ideally forecasting out at least six months and reviewing those monthly. Like you're like, okay, here's what we think we're going to do over the next six months financially, ideally 12 months, but at least six months. Uh, here's what we think we're going to do next month, the month two, month three, month four, et cetera. And then after the next month happens, how did it actually go? Uh, did you do the same that you expected? Did you do worse? Did you do better? Did you bring in more revenue, less revenue, more profit, less profit? That discipline of calibrating your likely overly optimistic assumptions can make you a lot smarter. We did this uh, to show you that it hasn't all been doom and gloom. We basically did this with an e-commerce business that we have now that is uh, on pace to do about you know $40 million annualized sales right now. And we grew it from nothing starting in 2019. And this is one of the practices we put in place because that business is so heavy on marketing. We spend about a million dollars a month on marketing. The more you spend on marketing, the more you need this counterbalancing force of good financials because that allows you to push as aggressively as possible on marketing without losing money. So at the time, especially early on the first year, our gross margins were 50%. So that means out of every $100 in sales we brought in, 50% of that or $50 went to paying for cost of a good soul, shipping, credit card processing, packaging, all that sort of stuff. Of the remaining $50, 45 of that went to marketing. That means we only had a wiggle room of $5 out of our $100 that we brought in to pay for any staff, employees. We didn't pay ourselves for the first year. And so that meant that any slip up on the marketing side, like if that went to say $55 out of the 100, all of a sudden we were losing money. But having these tight financials and forecasting what we thought was gonna happen and reviewing what actually happened allowed us to push as aggressively as possible for the first year or so on marketing, which allowed us to go from basically nothing to over $600,000 a month in sales in about 13 months or so. And um, then it was easy to squeeze out more profit because we already had the revenue base. So keeping a tight grip on financials keeps you from making some of these big mistakes. Uh, number two, which I've gone off and on on, but I started rereading a book called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. It was recommended by my friend that you know sold his business that I've just mentioned. And he talks about scheduling thinking time. So this is basically uninterrupted session, maybe 45 to 60 minutes, at least twice a week, where you basically just sit, sit alone, have a big question. And I think this is kind of like, you know, that whole metaphor of, it's not so much about climbing the ladder faster, it's about making sure the ladder is actually on the right wall. And so I think the faster that you move in business, which I think is a good thing, that was mistake number one, people not moving fast enough, but the faster you move, the more time you need to focus and at least a couple times a week, pull yourself out of the situation and make sure you're thinking through things like second order, third order consequences. Like if we do this, what happens next? And then what happens next? rather than just running, 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 and then realize like, oh crap, we've actually been running in the wrong direction. So scheduling some of that time, and I'd recommend you pick up that book. I mean, it's one of these books where it's like, you read the first 10%, and then every chapter afterwards is literally prompts and questions. So it's like, you don't even have to read the whole book. Uh, just take some of, just figure out his approach to thinking time, and then 
schedule a few times in the week and then take one of his questions. And I think this will work wonders for your business and will avoid some of that constant um, potentially pushing in the wrong direction without thinking about what could happen, without making sure uh, that there's not significant downside to the actions that you're taking. I think if you have these two counterbalancing force, the more you spend on marketing, the more you need to have a tight grip on your financials and, and review those regularly. The faster you move in business, the more you need to have some dedicated time to just think about making sure you're making the right decisions. If you do those two things, you can keep spending as much money as you want on marketing. You can keep moving as fast as humanly possible because you've got these two counterbalancing forces. So I have a lot more coming up for you in this podcast every single day. I'm releasing a new episode to share what I'm working on, what's working, what's not, and special guest interviews with those that I want to learn from that can help me and help you grow. So please subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or subscribe to my YouTube channel. Now, if you're already a subscriber, please leave me a review on your favorite podcasting platform, especially on iTunes. Uh, those reviews help show potential guests that people are loving the podcast so they want to come on here and I can convince them to come and give us all their secrets. I'll see you tomorrow.